Well, good morning. It is great to be with you. My name is Bob Korowski. I'm the uh, pastor for music and creative arts. And this is the one time a year that I do this, thankfully. I can get up in front of you and sing all morning, but getting up and speaking is a whole other thing. Um, but I want to welcome all of those uh, that this might be your first time here. We're so happy that you're here with us. Those of you online, we are happy that you are with us in your nice, comfortable couch, maybe pajamas or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, we, we are so excited that you joined us this morning. We are in the book of Proverbs, and we are like kind of in the middle of this uh, series. So I want to do a quick recap And I want to unpack some things from Proverbs, going back to George's first week in the beginning of June, just as a reminder. So Proverbs is a book all about gaining wisdom. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, Proverbs tells you it right up front what it's going to do. It says, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. Proverbs is one of the three books of wisdom literature. The other two are the book of Job and Ecclesiastes. The book of Proverbs was intended to train those who were young, but also applicable to anyone at any stage of life. Again, Proverbs is going to tell you right up front what it's doing. Chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Now let me be clear. Simple is someone at the beginning stages of life. It is not meant to be a, like, rude term. It's not referring to your simple friend, okay? But this is what I love. It's meant for, like, think of, think of Proverbs as this, homeschooling 101 in the BC, right? This was a cultural thing. This is how people taught their kids how to live the ways of life. Let me read you some Proverbs very quickly. Do not stretch out your hand against an old man. Okay? Do not speak first to a great man. Do not begin any dispute with the hot-mouthed and do not attack him with words. Do not carry the marker at the boundaries of the field and do not shift the measuring rod from its right place. And do not set your heart on riches, for there is no one that knows fate and fortune. Now, these Proverbs aren't found in the book of Proverbs. They're actually Egyptian Proverbs from the 12th and 20th dynasties. I wasn't even going to try to pronounce the Pharaoh's names. It just was not worth it. But this was a cultural thing, right? Like, it wasn't like, okay, this is God's set of instructions or ways to live life that was just kind of out of the blue. It was culturally how people taught their kids. So I want to take a moment to go over what our five-year vision is. Follow along. 
leveraging our multi-generational congregation, we will build bridges for the transformation of young adults in our church and community so that together we can engage the gospel and be equipped and empowered to live as part of God's mission both locally and globally. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying this out of pride or I told you so. But I want to challenge you all. Because sometimes it might feel like, well, where do I fit in, right? And I can be included in that because I do not fit the context of a young adult anymore. I turned 40 this year, right? Yeah. I don't know why y'all are clapping. (laughs) But thank you, I guess. Um, But Proverbs is written in the context of community, Okay? The relationships that we have with one another. Young people, you need to look up to, for wisdom, you need to look up to adults. And adults, we're not out of the, you know, the equation. We're needed to teach our kids, but at the same time, we gain from this, right? Because Proverbs tells us right up front that it would be for the Sorry, I got to read it. (laughs) I was going to do it off the top of my cuff. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Right? We're never done learning. And so, you know, Proverbs isn't the only place this does this. Psalms uses the word shout a lot. Shout just isn't to say something loudly. The intended context is to shout to the next generation. Okay? And then... I'm going to give out a hot take because you saw before I'm teaching a uh, worship class, Worship 101, which I always think is funny. Like, why not like 303 or some other number? Um, But anyway, it's just my weird thought. Uh, So I'm teaching a worship class throughout the month of August at at 9 o'clock and 1030. Um, And a hot take, if you don't know this, because I'm learning this stuff still too, is just something to get your attention to want to come and listen to more. So here's what it is. I would argue that worship wars exist because families don't worship together outside of a Sunday morning. And I don't mean that to put judgment or uh, lay a guilt trip on you because I'm guilty of it too. I don't do this. But as I was reading more this week um, and over vacation, think of this. Abraham is taking Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice Isaac because God commanded him to. How did Isaac know that Abraham didn't bring a lamb with him? More so, how did Isaac know that the lamb was even needed? Because they worshiped together outside of Sabbath. He was with his dad when they worshiped. All right, and that's all I'm going to say about it, <laughs> because I want you to come to my worship class, because we're going to talk about it. And that's not the only example, but it's throughout Scripture. Why? Because Scripture is meant to be in the context of relationships, okay? All right, so then what sets the book of Proverbs apart from all of these other cultural Proverbs? There's three things. One, how to live in harmony with God's creation, Right? Who better to get instructions about something than the one who created that something? Right? 
Derek Kidner says, he's a commentator on Proverbs, but wisdom as taught here is God-centered. And even when it is most down to earth, it consists in the shrewd and sound handling of one affairs in God's world, in submission to his will. Two, how to live excellently and use practical wisdom. Now, I want to be clear here. Proverbs isn't formulaic. You're not going to, like, follow all of these Proverbs and uh, everything's going to necessarily turn out great all the time. That's why we have the book of Job, right? Job was a wise man. He was, right? And then all of that stuff happens to him. The Bible gives us the picture that even when we do everything right, sometimes bad stuff is still going to happen to us. But one of the things that is important to understand in the context of Proverbs is this, is it's wanting you to, you to follow these instructions and have a rich life. Well, that doesn't mean the prosperity gospel, okay? It, it's very clear that, well, very clear for them, but for us to understand the context of what it would be to, be, to, to live a rich life is this, you would survive past the age of 40, a rich life would be you sur- your, your child surviving childbirth. A rich life would be you or your wife surviving the birth of your child. A rich life would be you getting to pick the clothes that you're wearing the next day. That's a rich life. And then number three, how to live in the fear of the Lord. And I think this is the most important one. How to live in the fear of the Lord. And Proverbs tells us up front, too, chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is so important. Because to understand to live in a reverence, a fear of the Lord, is to understand who you are in light of who our great God is. And if you have that mindset, looking at these Proverbs, you're always going to want to be in the posture of learning. Because we're still always found wanting. Right? Okay. So, that's our context. Because it's important to understand that as we get into Proverbs. Because Proverbs, like I said, are meant for young um, or meant for the young, or meant for children. So they're going to sound very simple, right? They're going to repeat words a lot, kind of like contemporary Christian music. They're going to uh, uh, be scattered a little bit. They're, they're, they're going to be different. Like this morning, we're going to look at work, and we're going to look at the sluggard and the ant, and we're going to look at chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. So if you want to go there now, please do. Um, but then you're going to see it in other places. Chapter 26 is where I'm going to refer to. But it's found throughout. And sluggard is only found in the book of Proverbs. But there's all different types. Why? Because everybody learns differently. Right? So, without further ado, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, read. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, 
a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So, you know, as you're thinking through this, here's what this parable is doing. It's contrasting, compare and contrast, the ant and the sluggard. So I had to do a lot of research on a slug and an ant, right? Because that's what comes to mind in these moments. So I'm going to pull up a video. This is a slug. It moves at a whopping 0.186 miles an hour, okay? Whereas an ant will move at 1.9 miles an hour. It's like 10 times faster if I'm doing my math right. Look at the ants, right? That's what the proverb tells it to do. How, how do they know how to do that? Right? Like, think of that. Doesn't have a job foreman telling them all, like, you need to do this. Oh, okay. And so this is the slug, right? It is going to get across the screen, I promise, because I created the video. But yeah, look at it. Like, they all work together. It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, I had to watch a lot of ant videos, so I thought it was kind of cool throughout the week, but they just all know what to do. At one point, though, the slug was on, or the ant was on top of the piece of food, and I thought, well, that kind of defeats the purpose of the video. And here we go. See, I told you, he'd get across there. So that's the compare and contrast, right? So the ant is wisdom, and the slug is foolishness or lazy. In this passage, a lot of commentators talked about how the writer here was kind of being a little uh, sarcastic, but I don't think that's the right word. He was like, he was sending a jab out to you, right? You don't want to live this way. Look at the ant. To look at the ant is a very lowly posture. Let me read to you this one this one commentator uh, from the pulpit commentary, it says this, if the ant, so insignificant a creature in the order of the animal kingdom is so provident, how much more should you be? You, a man endued with superior intelligence and with so many more resources at hand and with greater advantages. If the ant with none to urge, direct, or control her work, is so industrious, surely she provides an example at which you, the sluggard, should blush, since there is every external incentive to rouse you to action. Your duty to the community, the urgent advice of your friends, and I love this, and as a dignity as a man. (laughs) I was like, ow, That's hard. But the author really, not of the commentary, but of Proverbs, is really trying to show you it should be this easy, okay? This easy to have the urge to not be lazy, to not be a sluggard. So what can we learn from the sluggard? Let's look at three character traits from the sluggard. One, the sluggard will not make up his mind, Chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? I'm guilty of this. Right off the bat. On Mondays are my day off. 
And usually, like right now in summertime, I have to watch our boys because they're seven and nine. But when it's there in school, all I got to do is get up, get them onto the bus. And if I don't have a checklist, and my wife is in the audience and she already knows this, I will do nothing all day but watch Netflix until I have to get back at three o'clock and pick them up. I am like the least responsible like waste of life in the moment, right? If I don't have a to-do list, sorry. If I don't have a to-do list, I will, as my wife would say, relax. (laughs) Number two, the sluggard will not finish things. I like this one. We're jumping to chapter 26 now, 15. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. (laughs) Sad. But I'm guilty of this too. When there are so many things to do, and again, you can ask my wife, I get paralyzed by all of the stuff just like, oh, what do I do first? I got to do this, and then I got to do this, and it's like, uh, and then (laughs) I'm watching Netflix. (laughs) Like, I'll do it in a second. I just have to relax. There's that word again, right? You got to, like, so this is what I have found in that, in that moment. All I got to do is just do one of those things off the checklist, and then I can get the momentum going and get stuff done. Number three. Third, the sluggard will not face things as they are. Again, staying in chapter 26, verse 13. The sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. This is really speaking to, oh, there's a lot to do and it's kind of hard. I don't want to have to face it. And what if I make the wrong decision? Like there's a great, there's a good option, but what, what's the greater option? Like, not knowing which one to choose can sometimes, again, be paralyzing. And I'm guilty of that, like, hands down. Like, I want to make the best option. Like, when we're on a road trip or something, like, where's the best place to eat? I don't want to mess this up. It's food. How am I going to mess this up? I mean, you can, let's be honest. But, but yeah, I can be paralyzed in that decision, too. Okay? So, what are the lessons that we can learn from the sluggard? There's three. First, inner motivation. Chapter 6, going back, verse 7. It has no commander, no overseer, or no ruler. The ant has no overseer. There is none to regulate or see that the rest of the work is done. Each ant apparently works independently of the rest, though guided by a common instinct to add to the common rest. Common store, sorry. As you saw in the video, like, there's not a job foreman telling the ants what to do and where to do it. They're all working. You just watch them. Number two, hard work. Yet it's, uh, chapter 6, verse 8, yet it stores its provisions in summer. Somebody said this, I don't know if they do this, but if an ant could sweat, I don't think it would care. Now, I say that... <laughs> I'm the person that moved the 9 o'clock service outside inside so we didn't have to sweat. (laughs) So I say that ironically, but I think that's working smarter, not harder. (laughs) Okay? But working hard. Let me um, kind of give you two examples from my life. 
In the first example, it was a successful example. Uh, I had, uh, in between my uh, first year of college and my second year of Bible college, I worked for a pool company uh, installing in ground pools. Now, I got the job because my parents were buying an in-ground pool, and the one stipulation was that they would hire me to work for the summer. So I was starting off like great in the eyes of this boss, right? Who's a kid that needs their mom to get him a job, college kid, for a summer? I get into the job and um, I, I've heard like this is really hard work because you have to, you only have the summer to do this because when the ground freezes, you can't dig, right? I get into the job and uh, there's, I see a guy yelling at this kid like, like he's, and he's using words I can't use, but he's like yelling at this kid and I go into the boss's office and ask him like, okay, is there any paperwork I need to fill out? Like I should fill out tax information, right? And he's like, nope, you're going to go with Alan. I'm like, well, who's Alan? He's the guy yelling at everybody outside. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. I'm a non-confrontational person. I hate that stuff. So I'm like, okay, here we go. I get to the job site. I start digging. And the guy's like, because he wanted me to start digging these holes for the concrete deck that we were going to pour. He's like, you shovel like a girl. And I was like, okay. Well, my my parents are divorced. I lived with my mom. So guess who taught me how to shovel? My mom. And I shoveled hard. So, okay. Um, and then the next thing I know, I'm wheelbarrowing like 100-pound wheelbarrows full of cement over stone and rebar laid on there to pour this deck, right? I get up to the guy, and I dump the cement down his boot. And I cannot repeat anything he said to me in that moment. And I turned around, I was like, okay, I got to do this again. Grabbed another wheelbarrow. And this time I was about two feet short of where he wanted the cement to be. He again said words that I cannot repeat to you. But the third time I started getting close. Fourth, fifth, sixth, just keep going, right? Because you have to. The cement only has so much time to set up. You've got to work. You've got to push through it. Three days into this job, these guys start asking me, you know, we're sitting down on a break. What do you do? Oh, I'm going to Bible college. They're like, oh, man. This is the curse of every pastor. I'm so sorry for all the words that we used. It's like, don't worry. I'm not going to condemn you. But, like, you start getting the apologies because I earned their respect. Right? I was the only part-time employee to make it through the whole summer. There were guys that came on and in a couple of days, couple of weeks, quit. And I'm like, what in the world? Where'd they go? Could have used your help. It was not an easy job. I was given extra tasks, like to, to spec out the concrete deck, which I thought was cool. But also my boss told me, if you give me too much, I'm taking it out of your paycheck. If you don't have enough, I'm taking it out of your paycheck. <laughs> It's like, oh, the pressure's on. I did it right. But I earned their respect to the point that two years down the road, one of the guys that I had worked with had fell from a height. He was a rock climber, fell like 20-some feet. And they're calling me up to ask to pray for him and pray with them. Now, on the flip side of this, I've worked at Hershey Free for about 19 years this February. 
And about five years in, and part of that was over college, but about five years in when I was working full-time, my job was the worship coordinator for the youth and the uh, maintenance uh, I did facilities work. So I know how to change all the light bulbs, ballasts. I know where most of the uh, air filters are because stuff has been changed and so forth. But um, I know the ins and outs of the building. I've been all over it. I had to paint a lot. I hate painting, but I had to paint a lot. Um, and it was probably five years or, or a couple years in, uh, Dane Culp, he was like a mentor to me, um, pulled me into his office and, and gave me, uh, you know, very gently but also stern, hey, if you don't, if you don't start working harder, we're going to have to find somebody that will. Because I was going through all of the motions, but I wasn't putting my full effort into it. I was doing what was required of me, but I didn't have heart behind it. Because sometimes... You can feel like you're buried in a situation. Like, like for me, I love the end goal, right? That summer, all I have to do is get through the summer and I'm good, right? But for this, I didn't see what the end goal was. So I felt buried when the reality was, was God planted me somewhere. I didn't think I'd be here this far. Plus, I'm a millennial. I'm not supposed to live, work at a job being my only job for 19 years, <laughs> Right? So one of the other important things to learn is that if you're not faithful with the small things, you're not going to be faithful with the big things. If you don't put the same amount of work into all the little things, why would you think you're going to do that with the big things? And those are hard lessons to learn at times. Because, you know, who wants to wheelbarrow a 100-pound thing of cement it's not fun, but that's what you got to do. All right, number three, future preparation. I have another example. I'm going to try and get through this quickly. I'm a drummer. Most of you know that. I go back into the fishbowl every so often. I got asked to play with Tim Timmons one time for a worship service. Tim Timmons is a Christian, uh, contemporary Christian artist. He works with Kevin Dixon in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Kevin used to be one of the pastors here on staff. That's how I got to know Tim Timmons and was asked to help put a band together and play drums for a worship service in Lancaster. And I got to do that. And, um, you know, I consider myself a decent drummer. But if I don't keep up with my craft, I just take it for granted. I can come in and play worship songs because I mostly know them from memory. But this time I was asked to play, and I had practiced this stuff about two weeks in advance. And the night before, one of the songs that I had practiced was, uh, I, I had practiced the wrong arrangement of it. And not to get into technical terms, but I was doing a different beat. So I had to just do the beat real quick, because we only practiced the Saturday night before that Sunday morning. And I wasn't able to do it. For a worship context, I was, a way to, I was able to get away with it. But for any other musician or, like, drummer, for that matter, they knew I messed up. Future preparation. The ant gathers its food at harvest. They're working towards something that 
you know, they don't know when that's going to hit. Do you think an ant, like, knows the seasons? Their body probably has something that's working that way, but, like, they don't have a calendar, <laughs> right? So what do I do now? I teach drum lessons. Because if I can't teach, if I, can't, if I don't know the stuff, how am I going to teach a kid? It's like going into the gym and having an unfit personal trainer. Like, yeah, I want to take lesson or fitness instructions from you. Right? Preparing for future. Now, those are the three, three lessons. Um, and I want to give you just one more. There is, if you are in just a bad circumstance. There are abusive circumstances. I want you to hear me very clearly. Please don't try to work through it. Work harder. You need to get out of those circumstances. And if you don't know if you're in an an abusive circumstance, like an, an abusive workplace, find somebody to talk to. If you don't have somebody to talk to, I will recommend any person on the HFC staff to talk to, and they will find you somebody to talk to who is wise. But don't try and stay and push it out because you don't have to. Okay? All right, so why does Proverbs really talk about laziness and it doesn't talk about the workaholic? I think there's two different problems. You won't see workaholic really talked about because workaholic is a worship problem. It's a heart problem. You're worshiping the work. You're worshiping... The result of the work, the money. Whereas laziness isn't how you were designed. We were, again, created in the image of the creator. Genesis 2, 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Proverbs is about instructions in life. All of the Bible is instructions on worship. So, how do we apply this? Because I look at work, in a sense, like our, our opportunity to be at work is an act of worship itself. You want to be, uh, if we are the first fruits of the kingdom of heaven, which the Bible calls us as Christians, you want to be the most contagious people to be around at work right? You want to be the guy that somebody calls up how many years later because they need prayer. One of the things that I try and do here, because I've been a part of this for a while, um, and, and I'm going to give you, it, it's, a, it's just, we'll just call it a modern day proverb. It was given to me by somebody else, is, is, is this, because this affects your attitude, is that I don't own this. I don't own the Hershey Free Ministry. Somebody's going to be here after me. And I'm not owed this because of all of the work that I put in. God has put me here for a period of time, and I don't know how long that time will be, but then he's going to put me somewhere else. It might be here for a while. I don't know. But if we have that attitude, which is an attitude of reverence, which is an attitude of the fear of the Lord, Do you know how many people are going to work for you and work with you? 
That is being the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Come on, Lydia. (laughs) That is being how we were designed. It's that contagious Christian. Because we have a life that is free from the burden of sin. That makes people, like you heard um, oh, the Sourman say just a little earlier, right? There was just something about you. And that I didn't have to give up my culture for it. Don't just use my example. Look, it, it literally is if we are being the first fruits of the kingdom, using our wisdom to work hard, and in all the other series or uh, Sundays that we've gone through is just part. People are going to want to be with you because Proverbs is written in the context of relationships. It's not a formula. So the band's getting ready behind me because I want to sing a song over y'all. You know, I like to work towards a goal. Like what's, what's the light at the end of the tunnel? And our light is the new kingdom here on earth. And this song is, uh, it's called New Jerusalem. It's a song uh, apparently we sung once before. Everybody said, yeah, we sang that. And I was like, no, we didn't. I should know I'm in charge of all of that. Um, But it gives for me what the vision is. It puts words to this beautiful picture of what our salvation is for. So let's sing this. Uh, no, I'm going to sing this song over you. And I want you to just, if you want to, close your eyes and hear the words. The words will be up on the screen. Um, but just take a moment and reflect on these words. <laughs> 